This is the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. Financial freedom is a freedom to choose whatever you want to do. And if that's for like having a W-2 job, then have a W-2 job, you know. You're listening to the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss tangible tips, tricks, and best practices for becoming financially free. The show is designed for people who want to either start real estate investing or for those who want to scale their real estate business. What's going on, everyone? This is Jonathan Farber, your host of the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast. I hope you're all well and healthy. For any first-time listeners, thanks for being here. The goal of this show is to explore ways to become financially free through real estate or to increase passive cash flow through real estate. A little background on myself, I work in corporate America at a software company. My side hustle is real estate. I currently own eight rental units and looking to add more this spring. I have house hacked, bird, flipped, and done short-term rentals to name a few strategies. My current focus is 20 to 30 unit apartment buildings in Ohio and Kentucky. I love to network and learn. So if you'd like to connect further, feel free to find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or BiggerPockets. Let's get to today's show sponsor. After building my own portfolio, speaking with over 100 investors on this podcast and many more from the Facebook group, I've noticed a few common themes of why people don't get started or remain successful in real estate. They don't have the right team, they aren't sure of their market, or they don't know where to find deals. The people at Martel Turnkey are fixing this. That's why they offer fully turnkey properties in markets where the numbers actually make sense. What does this mean? It means they buy properties at a discount, fix them up, put a tenant in place, and oh yeah, I give you options for property management or financing. They have people on the ground in cities where you can still cash flow and see appreciation every single month. I'll say it as simply as this. When you have the right team and systems in place, there's no reason not to get started. If you like a property or have any questions, you can schedule a phone call by clicking on the link below or going on their website and clicking on the contact tab to set up a call. There is no hard sell, push, or commitment needed. The call will be there to answer any questions you have or to see if or how their products might be a good fit for you and what you're looking for. So visit martelturnkey.com and click contact or send an email to info at martelturnkey.com today. What's going on, guys? Today, we have a great episode with Melcher V. DeMonte Jr. He is based in Chicago and works in his full-time job as a controller at a nonprofit. And oh yeah, on the side, he owns 27 rental units by himself, no passive investors, syndicated deals, JV deals. And we go into that entire story today. It's really interesting. He's also a real estate broker on the side. And he also has that accounting background. So he does some freelance accounting work and does his own property accounting. He was, he was born in the Philippines, moved to America when he was 17 and built this portfolio of 27 units in just three and a half years. So for those that are looking to scale on the side, having a full-time job, you might really relate to this episode as that's exactly what he's done without syndicating or bringing in partners, diluting the deals. He owns every one of these deals, 100% equity. So you're going to really enjoy that. The main learning I got from this episode was just ask a seller what else they have. He explains how he found almost all of his deals. I think it was 14 or 15 out of the 27 from one seller who he just kept asking, what else do you have? Do you have any other properties you're willing to sell? And by doing that, he was able to keep finding these off-market deals that were 
great deals. He was able to find them, analyze them, and then make offers. And then on top of that, because he had relationships with these people, he was able to do seller financing. So those are two things, main learnings, but really good stuff. If you ask enough sellers what else they have, just because the numbers don't work on the property you're looking at that they're selling right now, you might be able to find other deals. Today's tangible tip, if you are feeling low on motivation or lazy, force yourself to read a book about business success, a personal development, whatever, whatever you want to like put yourself in that mindset that can just take you out of this slump or feeling of laziness that you're in. And you will realize how many ideas come from it and how good you feel after. I know it stinks because it's probably the last thing you want to think about doing when you're not feeling motivated, but trust me, after doing this many times and feeling lazy and unmotivated, like everyone does, especially on a rainy day, it's pouring here. Sometimes just taking 20 minutes, reading a book or watching a YouTube video. But for me, I like reading. So I'll just throw something on and, and or throw something in my hands and just start reading it. And then I'll be amazed at 20 minutes later, later, how much more motivated or how much better I feel to start taking on things that I didn't want to do 20 minutes ago. So I highly recommend that. If you can think about just forcing yourself to do it, you'll be happy you did 20 minutes later. So without any further ado, Melcher v. DeMonte Jr. All right, Melcher, what is going on, man? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate being here, man. Hopefully I can add value. I love it, man. Already starting with trying to add value. Kind of what we were talking about before we hit record of your story and what it's all about, adding value. So I'm sure you will. For those that don't know your background or haven't had a chance to check your stuff out yet, you mind just giving our listeners a quick background from a high level of how you got into real estate and then also from a high level, what you do in real estate today? Yeah, of course. Um, well, you know, I started just trying to move out of my parents' house, right? I mean, everybody, like a 27-year-old. So I was, you know, I was pretty up there. Um, I'm 31 now. So when I was, you know, trying to buy a house, I just want to live for free. Really, that's that's the goal for me. I uh, bought a, a two-flat here, just a suburb in Chicago. Um, you know, look at the numbers. I'm a CPA by, by trade, right? I still have a full-time job as a controller of a non-for-profit. Um, bought it, rent out the top one, rent out the room. It was a two-bedroom, two-bedroom. So, you know, top unit and bottom unit. I live in the bottom unit because it has access in the basement. Rent 1450 top one, 500 uh, daughter room. My mortgage was 2050. So, you know, I was, you know, $100 per month and it's all brand new. So when I get that first check, man, you know, light bulb, like everybody else, you know, a lot of people can can resonate to that. Um, like, what if I do this, you know, and I don't live there. So that's really the, the you know, the genesis of the, you know, me being a real estate investor. Literally after I close, I have no idea like, oh man, I'm gonna be a landlord. Like, what, what did I do, you know? Like, you know, I didn't really, you know, really think that I'm going to be a real estate investor. Like I said, I just want to live for free. Mm -hmm. and, and that day I signed up for bigger pockets, you know, Brandon Turner is kind of like the, the kind of like the Messiah, you know, for a lot of people, right. Uh, he's kind of like the, the face, um, bought both of his books, you know, rental, the management uh, book and the, um, you know, the no low money down and just kind of immerse myself, man. Um, from there, there on, um, for like two and a half years to three years, I was just like in acquisition mode. I was still in my full-time job at the time, driving Lyft, driving for Lyft. So, you know, kind of like the, you know, for like the last two and a half years from, from that point, I bought 27 units. And this year I didn't really buy anything 2020 just because 
I'm trying to deleverage, de you know, my my portfolio. Um, I own all of them 100%. So I didn't really have partners or didn't raise money. So it's all kind of like creative financing. I've done a couple of seller financing. Um, just a, last year, maybe a year and a half ago, I started to become an agent. And that's, you know, it's kind of cool because kind of replace the, the lift. I mean, it's kind of like 5X the lift income um, as an agent. And that's what I'm focused on right now and, and deleveraging and making sure, you know, tenants are taken care of, you know, especially at this, this point in our environment. Okay, awesome. So there's a lot of good stuff there that I'd love to dig into. The first thing is just hearing your transition so quickly. Could you just talk through, you said the first deal was a house hack, which I think our listeners mostly know what that is. And just for those that don't, basically what that just means is buying a property with low money down because it's a primary residence, you own or occupy it and you rent out the other rooms or units. So don't want to get too stuck on that because there's other parts of your story that I think are even more, more uh, awesome to dig into. So can you just talk us through how in four years you scaled to 27 units without using other people's money or syndicating uh, and, and just however you did it to go from one duplex to 27 units from the age of 27 to you said you're 31 or 32. So just sure. if you could walk us through how you did that, I'm sure I'll have more questions. Yeah, of course. Um, one is, you know, it's, you know, the fundamentals, right? Buying it right. So when you buy it right, you know, you'll, you know, or, you know, basically essentially you'll have equity in it, right? And from there, um, you know, I use my 401k to, to leverage it. Um, and as I, I think my fourth deal, which is the, the five unit that I bought, that's when I met the, this older couple, um, it was kind of crazy, you know, like now that I'm an agent, I kind of see that, you know, like before I heard, like, there's a lot of bad agents out there and I'm not talking trash, you know, obviously other agents, but there's really a lot of bad agents out there, right? Um, the, the owner is the one who's showing the property, which is kind of normal, but, you know, as an agent, I probably won't do that uh, personally. Um, so when I was trying to acquire the five unit, it was the, the um, um, one of the um, owners, which is the the man that that showed me the property and was like, okay, um, this is where I'm getting track track record to, just to let you know, um, you know, like people starting to trust me with deals and bringing deals to me. Um, and the, the owner said, uh, yeah, this, we have other units. So that that there like is a clue, right? Like, okay, if I build a relationship with this owner, I might be able to be the prime guy for them to sell their units because you know they're getting older. You know the old tired landlord uh, they say in all of the podcasts there, right? Um, so acquired that five unit, um, and they saw how I kind of like uh, turned it around. Um, you know, it was it was very very tired building. Um, talking about carpet, you know, poo in you know carpet. It was just bad, right? Like it's a bad distress unit. Um, you know, it, that was pretty, that, I learned a lot in that experience. Um, I probably won't do that again, just because again, time personally for me, I don't have time to rehab such like a distress unit like that. But that gave me a lot of education and gave me the opportunity to buy another uh, nine unit from them. So in total, really from my 27, 14 came from one couple that owned mm -hmm. all of those property. And the other two that I bought from them was seller finance. Um, the first seller finance took a year and then the second seller finance took about like six months. So, you know, they kind of 
got liking to me. Like, you know, they saw that the passion, they saw the drive. Um, they saw how I kind of turned around the units because it was the building was an eyesore for for the block, you know, and actually neighbors kind of like, you know, you know, came to me and like, hey, you know, I, I, we love the, you know, what you did in the place. And now, you know, there was people like kind of hanging around there before, like, you know, like not good people, but now like it's it's such a turnaround um, building that, you know, there's good tenants there. Got it. Okay. Did you mention how you found the building originally? Was it on the MLS or? It was, yeah, it was on the MLS. Um, you know, there's another thing, you know, to scale having a good agent, you know, um, you know, I have a great agent. Uh, at the time, uh, which is, I kind of like, you know, he's my teammate now in our brokerage. Um, you know, it, it it's like, as, as you like just focus and immerse to try to find deals, you know, it's like a law of attraction, right? It will just, it will just pop out. And when you, when it pop out, you just gotta like take advantage. Okay. Got it. So were they, the, the seller, were they originally open to owner financing or seller financing or, and sorry, just, just before we go too deep into it, can you just define how you uh, see seller financing, what it means? But I guess then just backing into, were they open to it? Did you recommend it? Did they recommend it? Like how did it actually come to be? Uh, I did recommend it at first. I actually was pretty aggressive, but I recommend not to do that. I think the first thing you do is build rapport. And just the definition of seller financing, you know, when you buy a real estate, usually you 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 kind of like leverage some of the money. You usually don't buy it cash, right? Um, mm -hmm. um, you put some down, and then usually um, the financing comes to a bank, right? In this case, if the 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 actual property is free and clear, which is you know no mortgage whatsoever from the seller, they can be the bank for you. So that's kind of like the definition of seller financing. Mm -hmm. um, it took a year. It took, you know, like taking them every month to dinner, right? Like literally like every, every, like I will like update them. Hey, you know, one of the units are, looks good. These are the pictures. This is before, this is after. Um, it, and then it's just an opportunity, capitalizing opportunity. The, the three unit that they owned was under contract, but the buyer was, doing a two or 3k loan and kind of like you know trying to do too much so the financing fell through and then you know i was again i was top of mind right going to dinner every month and it's like okay are you guys interested in me buying it like i don't even care about what you know i'll buy it from the price that you guys agreed on just the terms right like usually mm -hmm. you can you can have you know you can you can't have all three, uh, the price, the term, right. you know, and then how quick. So. So, so how did you come up with an offer or present scenario offers based on owner financing? Like, did you present only an owner financing offer? Did you present a cash offer, a bank loan offer, and then an owner finance offer? You know, just like if you could talk about the terms a little bit, that'd be helpful. Sure. I think. sure. At, at this point, um, they know that, you know, like my cash was like all tied in and the five unit that I brought from them. Um, so they know I definitely won't be able to buy it like straight up like a normal 25% down conventional investment loan, right? So I did, I told them like, look, this is a problem for you guys. And it's always been a, you know, it's a problem for them, right? They can't manage it properly. They don't even want to bother with, you know, with the building, they just want it out. So here I am like, hey, look, I'm willing to take that problem. That's kind of like the, the space that I went on, right? Um, went from and from there they're like okay 
Um, so the term that I offered with them was uh, two years, um, you know, uh, two years, 20 year amortization and 10% down. It's like uh, 5% interest, I think is what I gave them at the time. You know, at the time, like, you know, bank is like, I think three and a half percent. Um, um, so it was a little more. Um, they were willing to do it, like I said, because they I already built rapport with them, right? If somebody else came in and offered them that, they're probably not gonna trust them to to even if like they offered a higher interest rate. So because they just want to be done with it. And I could have like got it like they the, the next day once they signed the contract, I literally just took over. So mm -hmm. they're like it's out of their mind. So how did you know it was a good deal? Like being that it was distressed and you being kind of new to it and just relating it back to beginner investors who are looking at deals all the time. They see wholesalers sending them deals. They're just not sure if it's in a good location, if they can raise rents, how much rehab is needed. So how did you know all those things or what did you do to feel comfortable to take on something like that? Yeah. So it's a great question. At this point, it, you know, the five units, the distress one. So I think that's what you're talking about, right? So at this point, that was going to be my fourth deal. Um, and it's going to, it's in the same area, uh, Cicero, Illinois, uh, as my other uh, two properties. So, you know, at this point, like, it's literally, I live in Berwyn, which is like a neighboring neighborhood of Cicero from all of you in Chicago that, you know, they know what I'm talking about. Um, but anyways, like, you know, I know that market, right? I literally know every block, um, you know, at this point, I'm probably to be a year and a half or two years in real estate. Um, so, you know, look at properties, it gets addictive, right? Sometimes you even look at properties, even though that you know that you can't buy them. So it's like, oh, that looks a good deal. But you have, you know, like, personally, you probably can't buy it unless you partner or, you know, you raise money. Um, but you know, I studied a lot, right? I know exactly what the rent's going to be. I know exactly, you know, like it, there's going to be equity in it. It's, you know, at that time, I wasn't as sophisticated enough, which I think as na naively, I think that's a blessing just because sometimes when you become an expert, kind of like mm -hmm. you look at more uh, levers, you look at more kind of like criteria. At the time, I was just, oh, price per unit, uh, price per unit is good there's you know there's this is what i'm gonna get a rent it's a great deal right you know so yep. you know that's really to be honest with you as simple as that um because again i i know exactly what rent's gonna be mm -hmm. um you know so as long as it cash like like i said i still have a full-time job so i look at it long term right like how i like literally bought all my deals is like if, if it net operating income let's say is 20 30,000 even if I'm breaking even, if I'm, let's say I'm getting like the other 20, 25% as, as, as loan or like a debt, right? Then I just look at that as if I paid those off, then those are gone. And then I, I'm in a good financing, you know, mode. And 30 years from now, literally I just made like 20,000 if nothing's changed. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you know what, like, was your plan to raise, fix it up and raise rents? Or did you not have to do too much to raise rents? Because again, this is another question that I think people have a lot is I'm looking at something, I go on Rentometer and it says I can rent it for this price, but they're not sure how much work needs to be done or if they can rent it at that price today. So how do you think about that? Well, I, none of them can be market. To be honest, it was it was pretty bad. Um, I had to kick everybody out. Um, it took about 
you know, now it's probably going to take me about two months to do it. It took six months for me to do it. And, you know, I, again, I don't, as an agent, I don't recommend those things, especially if you have a full-time job. If that's what you do and you have a lot of background in construction, definitely do it, right? But if you, if I'm not handy whatsoever, right? Um, so for me to manage contractors or having a full-time job and all of the stuff that I was doing at the time, it wasn't, it wasn't ideal. Um, but again, you know, I, I will do it all over again just because I earned like nine units from that, you know, additional nine units. Um, how did I know what, you know, like it was distressed. Like everything was was bad. The rent was like literally half of the market, right? Um, you know, I can argue that I probably overpay for the property, but I build a lot of equity in it. And, you know, that's kind of like where I refi now where like, you know, I got most of my money back. Um, and, you know, I know the rent because I have properties around the area. So that's kind of how I kind of like have Okay, got it. So the next thing I want to talk about a little bit, you'd mentioned earlier, and even before we hit record was the concept of financial freedom, and achieving that through adding units, and then also staying in a job. So some people out there are wondering this same exact thing. Do I stay in a job while I'm building this business? Do I quit and do it full time? How do you think about it? Or what is the reason you're staying in a job if you're financially free? Yeah, um, it's, 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 you're evolving as a person as you grow, I think is, you know, the best answer to that. Because when, when, when I was starting, it's nice to hear, right? Like, you know, podcasts like this, um, you know, like yours, a lot of people that listen to it, especially if you're just starting in a job and then they hear financial freedom, you know, especially if they're starting your entry level, you're doing everything, right? Um, it's a nice thing to hear, right? But for me now, as as where I am, it's I don't recommend you like quitting right away, especially if you love your job. If you hate your job, yeah, do it. You know, what I mean, do or do something else. Do another you know full time position. It's it's a safety net, definitely. Um, some people might argue if you do one hundred percent, focus one hundred percent, then you'll be more likely more successful, right? Um, but for me, I love my job. I, I I'm a CPA, not for profit. It's a non-for-profit, so we're not like a corporate mindset that, you know, we want to make money all the time. It's more relaxed, um, and that's part of the reason why I stayed in there. Um, I handle a team there, so it's kind of like my skills of kind of handling a team, delegating all of my skills that I gained from my full-time job on applying to real estate and the agent business, um, you know, setting up processes and system, delegating what I don't need to be doing stuff like that. Um, my advice is like, you know, stay as much as you can till, till you don't love it anymore. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a W-2 job. I know we preach every time that, you know, you don't want a W-2 job and you want a financial freedom. Does it mean that if you have a full-time job, does it mean that you don't, you're not financially free? You know, it's just a, a financially financial freedom is a freedom to choose whatever you want to do. And if that's for like having a W2 job, then have a W2 job, you know? Yeah, totally. So I guess that, that's a great point. I guess just on that note there, what advice do you have for someone who is really torn between maybe a job that they don't like, but maybe they make decent money in it and they still have a real estate interest? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's hard. Right. Um, because 
it's it's you got to put it in perspective. I guess I get I get older, I get wiser. I guess you got to put it in perspective, right? It, everybody is not happy all the time in their job or whatever they're doing, even in real estate, right? There's gonna be time where you're not happy on what you're doing, you know, and you got to come back to your your why. A lot of people, you know you know, ask that, right? You got to come back. Why are you even doing it? What's the purpose? Maybe you're staying there just to get to achieve whatever, how many units you need to have, right? And at that point, like, you know, like you got to just be focused and, you know, just keep keep that focus and keep that mindset. Mm -hmm. And to be able to do that is you got to like, you know, really have a strong why. Um, Got it. Okay. I don't know if so, that answer your question. No, that, that definitely does. So for you, do you have like a number that you want to be at in financial freedom or is it that you're already there and you just like your job? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we were talking about this before the, we record. Um, you, you know, it's, it's the $10,000 and that was when I started, right? $10,000 a month equate to, you know, like the normal hundred units, hundred dollar cash flow per unit. Um, Certainly, that's now how I calculate my deals, right? Usually, my deals are like 300 to 400 per, per, per month per unit. Um, so, you know, like, because it's just more margin in there. Uh, for me, it's, it's more, it's different now, right? Like, like when I was 27, I was, I was, I was only, I was dating my fiance now. And, you know, no thought of having a kid or no thought of, you know, like I was like, I was cool with house hacking. My fiance would never allow me to house hack ever again. Um, <laughs> so, you know, now it's, it's really like, it's, it's, I was listening to uh, Tools of Titans recently, actually. And like, as you grow, right, you, you earn, you earn, you earn, you know, that's in it, you, you, you trade your time. And as you grow as a person, you trade money for time. So, so to answer that question, I haven't, I don't know. I mean, I live pretty comfortably now. I certainly don't want a full-time job going forward. I mean, even though I love my job, it's just, it requires you to be somewhere where it's not your control and that you're, you're obligated to do something. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be to a point and to, to be tangible Maybe like, you know, as long as I, I, I live in a, in, a, in a comfortable house and all of that is paid off and we can live comfortably in the lifestyle, right? It depends on your lifestyle because some people can be okay with $10,000 a month. You know, I can honestly say that's probably not enough for me. I mean, you know, like, especially when you have a kid, I mean, there's not a lot of people that say if you would they have a kid 10,000 is enough it's probably not going to be enough mm -hmm. but so I'll say I live comfortably man I'm pretty cool like you know I I rather have my time and choose whatever I want to do that's financial freedom and do you self-manage or do you have a property manager I do self-manage still um, oh wow yeah uh I again I'm not handy I I'm lucky and uh, you know grateful that that I have you know resources like you know, every trades out there that I've used since I started. Um, you certainly will go to a lot of people till you find that one. And once you find that one, you just got to take care of them. And, you know, go ahead. So how are you, you said, did you say a company there, EverTrade? No, no, um, they, uh, I still manage, so trades, like electrician, you know, plumbing. Oh, oh, like, you know, so, yeah, so, okay, the question I was going to ask is how, 
how did you manage 27 units yourself? So, so I, it's a lot of trust, right? Like, again, if I have one skill, probably delegation is, is my skill. Um, um, you know, it, so usually like, so for example, if, you know, if the tenant calls faucet is leaking, I have a, somebody that, you know, handyman can call, I call them. They usually just go to, you know, call the tenant, you know, I give them the number, they usually have a lockbox there or the tenant would meet them. They take a picture, they take, you know, they send me the picture, they tell me when it's done and, you know, off, off I go pay them. Really, that's that's usually how I do it. Um, you know, I, I tell I tell this all my clients, I say like, you know, when you when you buy a property, always, always treat it as if you have 100 units, right? What does that mean, right? Um, that means that if you buy a property, would you mow that lawn if you have 100 units? Probably not, right? Because you know, if you do that, then that's all you'll do all the time, right? So that's how I treat, even when I started, it's it's easy to to build a habit of doing it yourself because it's saving you money, but in the long run, it's not really saving you money. You're probably hurting yourself by doing it yourself and learning it. Think about, you know, with learning a skill, you're going to spend so much time and then once you have 100 units, you're not even going to do it. So why why start now? Got it. So for you, when, when do you think you'll give up property management or, or is it <laughs> such a little pull on your time that it wouldn't make sense to do it? So, well, for me, I'm a control freak, freak right? Like, you know, like, I like, I like control, but I, I would, you know, since I'm starting the, the, I started the agent business, probably at some point, I'd rather hire somebody full-time that, you know, kind of like manage all my properties instead of hiring a property manager. Not to say that I won't do it. It's just, I haven't been exposed to somebody that's that's really good at doing it or really have somebody that does it that that's worth, worth like, you know, the, the money that I'm gonna give up for it. Got it. Yeah, okay, absolutely. I guess that's something that, again, a lot of people kick around. So for you, how much time does it take you a week or a month to manage your 27 units? Not a lot of time. I'm probably going to be answering uh, calls probably once, probably going to take like probably on a weekly basis, maybe like five hours. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, the, the problem that I'm having is paying the bills, right? Like I'm an accountant, mm-hmm. but I hate doing the accounting in, the, in, in, in my, in my units. Um, you know, so those are, those are the things that I'm working on as an agent. I'm trying to hire an assistant. I'm trying to kind of like, really treat it as a business, right? Instead of working in it. So, so those are things I'm focused on right now. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. That's really interesting. Do you do the books as well or do you? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. You're, you're, it's amazing that you can do all this or, or have a system in place to do all this with a full-time job and now building the broker business. Any yeah. tips or advice for systems or time management or, or tools, anything you use to help get all this done only having 24 hours? So um, I wake up early, as early as you can. I usually wake up at, at four um, in the morning. Um, I do the miracle morning. I'm sure you know most of your listeners are pretty familiar with that. Um, and then I, you know, when I journal, I usually do the stuff that I need to do for, for the day. And then on a, on, a, uh, on a Sunday, I usually try to attack an, all of the aspect of, you know, of my life, you know, the, the full-time job, the agent business, the rentals, 
I look at three things that is very important for that week and I try to do them that week, you know, mm -hmm. if possible. Um, and in, in, in my life too, and you know, with my fiance or with my family, I just try to attack those, right? Because, you know, when you wake up early, you can't, can't attack the day. I mean, everybody that has a full-time job, if you wake up if, like 30 minutes before you work, because everybody's working from home now, once you check that email, you know, that controls you. And I live, I live in my calendar, man. Like literally I live in my calendar. So everybody, everything has to be in the calendar. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Well, Meltor, before we wind down, there was one other question I just realized I forgot to ask that for someone listening, I don't want to, to be an open item for getting started, but how were you funding the down payments when you were building up to the 27 units, especially starting out as a beginner? Were, did you have money saved? Were these low down payments with owner financing? What did that look like? So, so I have eight properties. So, I mean, probably the easiest way is to go down the list if you, you know, if you have time. Um, the first one is a FHA three and a half percent down. Um, okay. You know, 280,000, you know, we offered with the credit. So basically all in is about 7,500 bucks. So, you know, if you ask a lot of people how you do that, that's kind of like how it works, especially if they tenants there, because there's a lot of credits, tax probation and all that. Second one is normal 25% down. It's a cheaper property. Mm -hmm. I just literally save and use some of my 401k. Um, the third one was a 20% down. Use my mom's um, um, 401k to kind of like, you know, leverage that. So again, you know, a lot of like, you know, using someone else money, but it's all friends and family, it's all family really. Um, the fourth one was a HELOC from that third one. So the down payment, it was a commercial property. So I was required to put 25% down. Mm -hmm. The fifth one uh, was my house. So another 5% down is the fifth one. Um, the sixth is a seller, finan seller financing. Seven is a, uh, a, a one of the attorney, uh, that's a cool story because 80% from a bank, 10% hard money, and 10% from a SoFi. Wow. <laughs> so 0% down, but it was still cash flowing, which is awesome. Um, that was a six unit. Um, and then the last one was a seller financing. All right. I feel like we have to talk about that no money down three lender situation real quick though. Yeah. How, how did that come together? I feel like most people, when they speak to a regular bank, they require someone to bring some of the down payments. So how were you able to bring 10% with hard money and then 10% with SoFi in addition to having a bank land yeah. 80%? So yeah, at this point, I think I was able to, to acquire it because I had track record, like this is my seventh property, right? Um, you know, it, you got to tell everybody what you do, what you're doing. Right. So I, my attorney that I use, I asked, Hey, you know, at this point I was looking, Hey, look, who, who do you think can, can purchase, like what bank can I use to purchase on a trust? Cause like I was looking at, you know, at this point I'm kind of like, there's more properties and she, he recommended me to a regional bank here in uh, Illinois, Pan American uh, bank. Um, and that person is, um, is also a broker that told me literally I had a meeting with him that uh, one day and then the second day called me, hey, there's a six unit deal around your area in Broadview, Illinois, and looked at it and was like, oh, okay. So he's the bank, right? So I already know I got the financing, you know, lined up the 80%. 
And I'm like, hey, dude, like, I love it, but I don't have any money. That was literally like, you know, and, and the seller is like, okay, you know what? I have somebody that can lend you 10% uh, of the purchase price. And, you know, you just have to like pay it off in two years, interest only for the first, the, the two years. And then you just, you know, it balloons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, okay, I can get the 10%. So now I was, I was like scratching, you know, I was like, oh, where am I going to get the 10%? So I look at SoFi, you know, they, they kind of like, you know, give you the, you know, some kind of money. So I, I, I did the loan there. I actually paid that off already, but 13%. Um, interest rate, which is which is crushing, right? But now I have a, a six unit that that had a lot of equity and it's cash flowing pretty well. So when I, when I was when you look at deal like that, again, I have the reason I was able to do it because I still have a full time job, right? I have that safety net, and I look at it thirty years from now, not a year from now, right? So I was cash flowing still, even though all of those payments are accruing, and you know, it was in an area that I'm very familiar with. So all of those kind of like um, criteria that you look at um, with, you know, on how to gauge my risk. For me, it wasn't as risky because one, I don't have a lot of money. I, I don't have any money in there. Number two, it was cash flowing. So worst case scenario, if there's a repair or there's like capital expenditure, I'll just grab some of the money since I own everything 100%. That's one thing that a lot of people doesn't talk about too. Right. If you have a partner, it's easier for me to navigate all my cash flow in each property because I own it. Mm-hmm. If you have a partner, you have to talk to your partner. And you can't like literally grab cash flow from that property to, you know, attend to to the other property. So makes total sense. Makes total sense. Uh, Melcher, what is next for you, man? You're doing a lot of stuff. You have three jobs basically. You are staying busy with property management as well. What is next for you? What are some of your goals for finishing out 2020 after 2020? Um, all that stuff. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. Um, I, you know, this year I really focus on the agent business. Um, you know, it, it's, it's this sound crazy and people are probably going to be mad at me, but COVID is probably the best thing that happened to my agent business. Um, I'm working from home, so I have more time to be efficient, you know, um, building the brokerage business um, and, you know, kind of like deleveraging, um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, right? Uh, I, you know, I, I definitely try to deleverage as much as I can, build some equity on my properties. So I'm paying a lot of stuff down um, just to make sure I'm not as exposed, you know, like, you know, as most people that's over leverage. And just, you know, like helping, helping, you know, more people, like, you know, to, to, to start the real estate career, to be honest. I mean, you know, again, I'm a CPA, so I guess I can, but still consult your attorney. There's a lot of tax, uh, your CPA, there's a lot of tax benefits, you know, doing, doing, uh, buying real estate, you know, as you know, um, there's a lot of just benefits of doing it. And, um, it's easy for me to consult with clients just because one, I'm doing it. Number two, like I'm, I'm like a perfect example, you know, I started from a two flat and then now I have 27 units. So if I can do it, there's no reason why anybody. Yep. Gotcha. All right. Awesome. Uh, Melcher, what's the best way for people to get connected with you, check out on social media or follow some of these projects you're working on? Uh, thank you. Um, 
so I have a website. It's hopefully once this air, it'll, it'll come on. It's M as in uh, Mary, V as in Victor, D as in dog, properties, plural, properties, mvdproperties.com. And also I may email if they want to contact me, JR, like JZ, but JR. Dumantai, my last name, at gmail.com. And, you know, feel free to call me, man. If Is it okay if I put my number? Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, oh okay. 708-979-0852, 708-979-0852. All right, awesome. Well, Belcher, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, some great learnings. The one that really jumps out at me that I, I think most people never think about to scale their business is just asking other asking sellers what else they have. And a lot of times they have other deals that they're willing to sell. So uh, with that, I just want to say thank you again for coming on. Best of luck in 2020 beyond and uh, look forward to following the journey as you grow it. Thanks. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate it, man. All right. Hey, you millennial millionaire. Do you want more? Then head to the Millennial Millionaires Through Real Estate Facebook group, where there are tons of step-by-step walkthroughs, tools, templates, and free networking to help you achieve financial freedom through real estate. And if you want Jonathan to help you personally reach your goals, then feel free to set up a one-on-one call in the link below or message him on any social media platform and apply to, well, work with Jonathan.